Hello and welcome to another episode of the only podcast on the Citadel, as far as I'm aware of. I think we're syndicated there, aren't we, Ken? Well, we'll have to check Mass Effect 2 and see when we go there, if it's syndicated over the speakers. This is Normandy FM. I am, of course, your co-host, Eric Van Allen, alongside my other co-host, Kenneth Shepard. So you know how when people are on diets, they have, like, cheat days, where they get, like, that one day that they get to stop being miserable and get to eat something they want? That was my day yesterday. Well, I had a Mass Effect cheat day, because I went back and played Mass Effect 3 after having been suffering through Mass Effect 1 all this time. I went to, go, went to play the Citadel DLC, and... Whoo! How how could you do this to us, Ken? Just, just, you're supposed to play at the pace that everybody else is. Come on I, now. I mean, sometimes you just gotta skip ahead two games and... <laughs> you gotta so just, to the diet. Just for self-care. <laughs> self-care. That's, that's fair. That's fair. So, I, again, as, as listeners of the show may know, if they had listened to the, uh, the podcast last week, I have not played Citadel. Uh, and, and obviously, if you support our Patreon by going to patreon.com slash normandyfm, uh, you can make me play Citadel, finally, and, and see what's going on. But going back now, is, is has anything changed, depending on you know what we've played so far in NormDFM, that has altered your feelings about the way that that series ends? Because I think that most people think of the ending of Mass Effect 3 now as Citadel, and not as the actual ending of Mass Effect 3. Uh, I don't know about that. For me personally, because I am a person, I am a Mass Effect three ending apologist. Uh, but I don't know, like it, it was, and we will actually talk about Citadel in the event that we get to that point in the Patreon. But it is nice playing something that is this basically the culmination of everything. Like not just not necessarily choices, but just like character and almost like this building of a rapport with these characters and these uh, this fan base. Um, it feels really special to play something like that, and having just played Mass Effect One and just seeing like where it all began. Um, See, so yeah, I, 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 I do hope that we get to that point where you get to play it because I want to. I think you'll feel similar similarly to me. Hmm. I'm looking forward to it just because I think by that point in time, one of the things that Bioware had gotten really good at was creating these sort of, uh, I don't even know what to call them. That just, moments that are very still life almost where you're just kind of walking around and talking to a bunch of people and experiencing this moment together as a group with these companions it's something that i actually think was reflected later on uh in this year's red dead redemption 2 where you have those campfire moments where everybody's partying and you can kind of walk around and talk to different people and see them going along on their routes and stuff like that and all the events that can happen I think that Bioware, by this point, had gotten really good at it. You know, think about things like uh, Dragon Age Inquisition. There were a mm. lot of moments like that, even in right. Dragon Age 2. So I am looking forward to that because I feel like I never really got that with Mass Effect as much. Right. And uh, 
Yeah, also a little bit of closure, I think. Maybe not storyline closure, narrative mm-hmm. closure, but like emotional closure. For sure, because for sure. that was also something that I felt was missing from Mass Effect 3 at the time, was that you had kind of these little moments where you were setting up the closure of the series, but you didn't have that like one big one, and I feel like it really needed that. So uh, hopefully, hopefully... <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry, Ken. I just looked at our show notes, and the first thing I saw was, I'm going to do Vermeer just to rid myself of this plague, the pussy plague. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. We are nothing if not on brand here at Normandy FM, but we are not going to Vermeer today. Uh, today we are going to Pharos, or as I like to call it, uh, the optional story mission, <laughs> because really, this... This mission ends up not having much of an overall impact on the game. In fact, playing through it has made me curious about several things uh, in this game and how necessary they are. But to start out, we're going to Pharos. We've already done the Liara mission and the Novaria mission, which are, are much more critical, I would say, to the, the main right. plot of this game. And we want to be good and, and check everything off before we go to Vermeer. That's just the right thing to do. Also, enemies get kind of tough near the end of the game, and a few extra levels are really going to help. Like, I maxed out my immunity and my unity mm-hmm. and my uh, the, the assault rifle as well. And, and so now I'm having a much easier time uh, getting through some of the bigger enemies in this game than I was previously. But uh, <laughs> jumping in... I see that you had some issues arriving on Pharaohs with the way that the game decided who was in your party and such. Yeah, midway through, like, I brought Caden and Rex, because that, that's what I do, and midway through, Rex just straight up disappeared. Like, gone from my squad, he didn't show up in the pause menu, he didn't show up, like, in cutscenes. <laughs> like, if there was a point where, like, the squad mates were supposed to talk to each other, Caden just said both things, so, like, he had, suddenly had, <laughs> it was like he was very conflicted about whatever, what we were talking about, because he had the to give both sides. As we all yeah. know, the two Cadens. Yeah, and so I went through, literally, the rest of that mission with only one squad mate, so it was basically like Caden and I had an impromptu date, so. There you go. You see, yep. the game tries to stop you, but, Ken, nope. you will find a way. I will. <laughs> you will get there. Uh... This mission, more so now than when I first played it, feels like busy work it a does. lot of the time. Mm-hmm. It it immediately sends you on all these, these side missions, which, to be fair, you don't have to do. And right. don't have any actual tangible effect other than giving you some Paragon points and some credits. Right. But this was another case where I was thinking about how uh, Mass Effect has done horror. Because this was another set up where I think the idea was not as space fiction, dead space style right. horror, but it was uh, definitely you're supposed to feel that something is wrong when you mm-hmm. land on Pharos, that everybody's acting kind of weird, you don't really know why, and then it builds up to the big reveal of the Thorian. But it the, the dialogue, even in parts where you're not supposed to feel this is kind of strange, still feels pretty not great it this really just ends up feeling like the other mission like they right. sat down and said we need to make three missions that the player will do before they move on to the next big story beat and they put a ton of work into novaria 
Mm-hmm. Uh, they built a mission that would lead you to Liara, which is what that felt like—just one long tunnel to to the Liara meetup. And then they built this one, which kind of feels more like, uh, we need to have them spend more time doing combat and stuff because you know Novaria was really only half combat and. Uh, Liara's mission was a lot of Mako driving, not as much combat. So we should probably put some more combat checks in this game, and that's what this ends up feeling like. So, on in the spirit of that, Ken, how are you feeling about the combat at this point? How are you? How are you leveling up? How's your shepherd doing? I think I've gotten to the point where I've sort of caught up to where the game wants me to be because, like I said in the last episode, I feel like like I've gotten to where I realize that it's supposed to be more strategic and methodical. So I don't, I guess, like, run out like a crazy person like I would in the other games. But even so, like, it's just, I'm over it. I'm ready to get something that feels like it's properly crafted like a shooter. Like, just even, like, the small shooter bits in Citadel that I was playing in Mass Effect 3, it was, it was like, wow, this is how a game's supposed to feel. Like, (laughs) I don't know. I, the, the actual encounters in, uh, Pharaoh specifically, like, the, the Thorian Creepers, which are basically reskin husks, it was, like, it, again, it felt like busy work, like you were saying, like, it's like, they don't really have any sort of, like, tactics to them, so you're just shooting up these things as they're coming at you. I don't know, mm-hmm. it's just, like, I, I feel like they've run out of, like, ways to try and make this interesting at this point. I spent a lot of time uh, moving backwards while firing forwards. Exactly. In this, yeah. in this mission. Uh, and... It's funny you mentioned that that you're kind of getting to the part where you have to actually use strategy because I'm getting to the point where I don't think anything in this game can kill me anymore. Really? Uh, Because I'm rolling soldier and soldier gets things like uh, immunity and advanced shield boost and uh, just passive health regen and things like that. Uh, My teammates are dying all the time, especially Garrus. Mm -hmm. Garrus instantly just every fight he is the first one to die uh so it's usually just me and rex standing there and i've got an assault rifle that's basically a hose that never overheats (laughs) and he's just got a shotgun loaded with like the best rounds mods that i have and we just mow everything down but you bring up an interesting point uh in your notes here shooting and melee map to the same button Boy, that was a bad decision. And <laughs> who did this? We're, we're kind of skipping ahead here, so like I'll have to edit it out if I if, if we're if I'm cannibalizing the rest of the show. Uh, I so there's the choice at the end of this mission where the the people of Pharos are yes yes yeah they are taken over by the Thorian, and you have the option to either a just kill them and you know be done with it, or you can use these like gas grenades that like knock them out instead of killing them, so people can get to them and treat them medically. Uh, the only other way, like, that's a, that is a finite source. I can only hold six at this point, I think. Um, and there are, I want to say, like, 18 total colonists that you can possibly kill. There, um, There is a grenade refill halfway through that, but even, that like, gets if, you through all of it. But even so, like, if you if you fuck up, like, even once, you're, you might possibly yeah. kill somebody. And yeah. so the only other way that you cannot kill them is if you n- melee them instead of shoot them. Um, <laughs> I never knew that. Oh my god! Yeah. So like, I mean, <laughs> I I resorted to that, but because like the only way that you can activate melee in this game is if you're close enough to an enemy and then you press the right trigger, and 
that is also the button to shoot. So, like, if, like, even if they're, like, a frame away from what you need to be and you don't realize it, you're gonna fucking shoot somebody. And guess what I did? At the very start of this mission, there are, there, there are parts where you're kind of running through the different hallways and, mm. and colonists will be running out and being like, oh, the Geth are coming, the Geth are coming. One of them startled me so much when I was coming around a corner that I just shot the colonist instead of the Geth. You're supposed to be the paragon <laughs> among us. Yeah. And, and so this game is just kind of silly in that way and, and there are just a lot of things that happen so i mean you say like oh we're jumping ahead oh but when you think about it the things that happen between you getting there and you doing the whole gas grenade thorian thing it, it's all pretty irrelevant you right. know you you go along the skyway holla out to my mako back in return okay. of the mako who, who the fuck <laughs> thought it was a good idea to try and get us to drive that thing in the small enclosed spaces of this fucking level who nah, did that i don't know i don't know but come it, out you coward poor idea uh it and the mako stuff ends up being like almost superfluous because you don't really go far on the mako in this yeah. map it's just kind of a thing that they were like oh we should probably put a mako part in this game you know just haven't had a mako part in this map yet probably do that <laughs> and then you you meet the uh the other hold up colonists yeah the one back in zoo's hope which is where they were holding out and then you find kind of the exogeny office staff who are holed up in a separate place and as you go through you find out why the the main guy doesn't really want to be holed up in zeus hope at all it's not because it's not a defensible position or anything like that uh and and then you go rescue lisbeth and do blow up some geth stuff and and then you go back and (laughs) yeah so much of this is just maybe it's because i've played it before and I know everything that's going to happen. And I played, when I first played through this game, and even on subsequent playthroughs, uh, I would always have to replay the the gas grenade part because it always mess up. This time I got it first go. I was very proud of that. I got all the colonists first go. Even had grenades to spare. Felt great about that. But uh, it just feels so mechanical so like checklist like okay let's do this now let's do this now let's do this and there's very little room for other routes or things to happen i mean it's the same thing with liara's mission but i feel like playing this after novaria i'm now going like there is just so little variation on what can happen besides the one big choice about whether you save the colonists or not and the thing that sort of sticks out to me here and it did a little bit in novaria as well was that I appreci- I'm starting to appreciate the more streamlined mission structure of 2, 3, and Andromeda like, as mm-hmm. I'm playing this, because I feel like th- okay, so there's only so much time you spend to play Mass Effect 1, and they spend so much time in these one large areas, r- versus mm-hmm. where what 2 and 3, like, you have, like, in the time that it takes you to play through all of Novaria or Pharos, you can go through, like, three major missions in Mass Effect 2 or 3 and see all these different areas of the galaxy, all these different characters, cultures, etc., Whereas, like, Mass Effect 1, like, in the grand scheme of things, I don't feel like you learn a whole lot about the world here. Um, and I think no, it's, and it, I think it it's... frames it, but it doesn't really go in-depth. It's like, right. you know, one-inch one inch deep lake, but, like, really wide out, as opposed to, like, a one-inch wide lake that's really deep. Right. So, yeah, it's just like, I... Like I said before, I'm kind of over Mass Effect 1 at this point. And, that's, and it is, like, this amazing foundational thing 
that has brought on one of the most important series of my life. Like, my god, I'm so, like... They got their shit together in Mass Effect 2, and I remember reading so many people hating Mass Effect 2 for the drastic changes it made, but they were for the better. Like, they fleshed out that world and those characters in ways that Mass Effect 1 could never dream of doing. Also, it feels like public opinion has significantly come around to that <laughs> point of view by now. Um, yeah, there's just so much about this game that it it feels like you have to really work to get to the good parts of it. And that is, I feel that's not just a design thing in terms of like bad design, because I think it, it was intentional in a way. It is the kind of design that you see in the older CRPGs. Mm. The, you, you have your Baldur's Gates and, and your Dragon Ages and stuff like that. And they were basically trying to make the, um, you know, the Starcraft to Warcraft equivalent of their of bioware's older rpgs you know they're trying to make their space version of that and so you can see a lot of that here i mean how much time have you spent going through equipment and stuff i'm assuming you're probably on like the fives and sixes of equipment as that's about where i'm at yeah that's about it i uh i've kind of gotten to the point where i've sort of set like settled in to what i've got because it's just like it on lower difficulty, well, I mean, not lower difficulties. I'm on, I'm playing on normal. I don't know that it, there's a whole lot of use for a lot of that stuff, at least not in my experience. Yeah, it's um, I would say it's like it's just numbers. It's just raw right. numbers exactly. at this point. And a lot of the time, you know, I was trying to keep my squad kitted out and fully, you know, stacked up and everything. But now I'm just kind of like, well. You know, I'll give my main character the best assault rifle and the best sniper rifle so I can always take care of whatever situation. And then everybody else can kind of get the leftovers and the scraps. And really, I'm only equipping, like, two or three characters because I'm only using uh, really Rex and Garrus. And then every once in a while, I'll bring along Liara and Tali when I want to have... It's almost like I'm imposing a new challenge on myself when I bring only Liara and Tali because then I'm like, okay, I am the combat person, but these two can't do combat well. Yeah, they're the support characters. So that's just my way of upping the difficulty so it's not just me and Rex running through everything, even though I really enjoy that. (laughs) But it's, yeah, it's so much of this game is trying to tread through this murky water to get to the things that you actually want to do. I don't know why I'm making so many lake metaphors today. I mean, it's, but... it's, it's thematically appropriate. Yeah, it's it's just odd. And so finally you get through all the murky waters, and after the break, which we will be taking right now, we will talk about the Thorian and why he is so crucial to Mass Effect. So important. Thank you for tuning in. We'll be back in a second. I'm Commander Shepard, and this is my favorite store on the Citadel. Imagine this, if you will. You've just sat down with a large cup of gamer fuel, ready to drown out the terrible dialogue in the latest AAA shooter by listening to your favorite podcast instead. But everything has changed. The hosts aren't funny, they have terrible chemistry, and worst of all, they won't take every last opportunity to ridicule the terribly untalented media personalities that dominate the industry. Everything you thought you loved has turned into a constant source of disappointment and dismay. Well, pal, that's not seasonal depression calling. That's just bad taste. 
For a fresh, fierce podcast experience, experts recommend Game Query. Farm-raised and delivered fresh directly to your ear holes once every few weeks when we actually decide to record. Listeners in Normandy FM are privileged to a special discount code at checkout. Use the code NEVERSTOPSNIPING outside your neighbor's house until they file a restraining order against you, and the official Game Query Twitter account will retweet your court subpoena. Game Query, the official podcast of not being a punk. Download wherever podcasts can be found and give us your money at Patreon slash GameQuery. And follow us on Twitter or some shit, but I don't remember our handle, so you're just going to have to fucking figure that out yourself. I'm Commander Shepard, and this is my favorite store on the Citadel. And we're back, and we have so much more to talk about on this marathon episode of Normandy FM, where critical plot is being exposed, and we are really getting to the meat and potatoes of Mass Effect. Literally the only oh. mission that matters in this game, to be honest. We are being facetious, for those of you at home who cannot understand subtlety. Uh, so, yeah, the Thorian is a weird, weird-looking creature. And it literally gives birth, like, three different times. Yeah, they really like the, the maternal, you know, imagery with the... With the the nasty creepy space aliens in this game it kind of makes you want i guess you look at stuff like alien and 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 things like that and you kind of get the same thing so i guess it's a general space sci-fi fiction sort of thing i just said sci-fi fiction i hate myself (laughs) i hate myself for saying that i mean i can edit out if you want (laughs) no no we're leaving it i have to live and just live in my shame (laughs) um the thorian (sighs) The conversation, I thought there was more of a conversation with the Thorian, but you kind of just get down there and he's like, hey, screw you, this is my planet, get your own. And you're like, you gotta let these people go. And he's like, nah, I'm just gonna kill you by, you know, pooping out these Asari clones. (laughs) These green Asari. Yeah. Um, Man, just for all the buildup of actually meeting the Thorian, this like centuries old character and stuff, you would think that there would be a little bit more conversation but really it doesn't go anywhere you just kind of fight it and then you fight the the worst boss fight in the world okay this this boss fight sucks (laughs) it's so bad uh where you just fight through just mounds of creepers and and husks thorian people and 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 asari clones and then you shoot these nodes like, it's sort of exactly like Benezia. Like, it's not really a boss fight. It is a fight in the room with somebody who is supposed to be a boss. Because, like, you don't really it's... fight the Thorian. You just fight the thing that's sh- it's pooping out at you. Yeah, and then you, like, get rid of the things that's holding it up. Which, apparently, the Thorian is extremely weak to gravity. Who, who would have thought? We're not going to shoot the Thorian itself. We're just going to drop it. <laughs> and let it fall to its death. Because the Thorian was like, you know what? I'm going to hang out over this bottomless pit and things will be fine. <laughs> you know, who would ever I never... think to shoot all the nodes? <laughs> I never really thought about that. It literally just hangs out above nothing. Like, yep. it's like it has no foresight for this, this centuries-old creature that can control minds. I am the the old Thorian. You will never spy the one true weakness I have left for myself in this arena, <laughs> in this circular arena. Oh my oh god! God, uh, god they really <laughs> put some thought into this one, didn't they? Yeah, and so then you you get through all that and you meet Shiala, who I believe she shows up later, she uh, depending on your actions here. 
but it was kind of cool to have this character who was like, yep, uh, I was taken over by the Thorian. Pretty weird in there. Not happy about it. Saren made me do it. Not happy about that either. Uh, but you find out that the whole point of this mission, as it pertains to your overall mission of taking down Saren, is getting the cipher. Which is just... Oh my god. This. What is the, the point of this? The thing <laughs> is, like, looking... <laughs> looking forward to when we figure out more about what Protheans are and how they perceive the world, there's, like, an opportunity here for them to make this make any kind of, like, a sense. But the way that they describe it is the Cypher is basically the thing that will help Shepard understand the visions that they got from the Beacon. Um, which, for some reason, they still need Liara's help anyway, so whatever. But, like, the way that they frame it is, like... I, I put the quote down. It was something along the lines of, like to think like a Prothean, but culturally, not biologically. So, it's like, they frame it as, like, you need to understand the Prothean way to understand what you've seen. And, like, that doesn't make any sense. Like, you literally could have just said it, like, to perceive it. Like, it's almost like if you can describe it as, like, you're understanding how Protheans think in, like, a different, like, a sort of biological sense. Like so Shepard like, needed to take Prothean studies, you know, he's, he's got to take not just the, the 101 level, he's got to get up to the 301, the 401, to really understand what's going on here, all this, the context. Oh, <laughs> it's just, it's, the part that really killed me about this was when you're back on the ship and you're, you're kind of like, okay, so maybe Liara is going to mind meld with me. I'm going to figure out a little bit more because all I saw with the cipher was that, oh, it's the same images, but now like parts are clearer. And then Liara mind melds with me. It's the same thing again. And she's like, oh, it will take a while for your mind to process all. No, I think she always says that it'll take a mi- take a while for your mind to finish processing all this. So it won't make sense for a while. I'm sitting there. I'm like, if I had just gone to Vermeer and never gone to Pharaohs, would it have even mattered? Like, I, would it have been an issue? I think in-game, it's like... Liara says, like, something's missing still. So I think, like, mm-hmm. when you go to Vermeer, you get the, the the missing piece, I guess. But, uh, I mean, yeah, like, what would... What is lost by cutting out Pharaohs entirely and just making the missing piece at Vermeer all you need? I no idea so help me out with the structure of this game because i've never done it out of order but now i'm curious i don't know if you know the answer to this so springing it on you in the middle of a podcast is is a great idea uh if you skip one of the first three missions before going to vermeyer like you go to vermeyer third Mm -hmm. do you have to do that fourth mission or can you just okay so you do eventually need all that stuff. So you can't... I, I was wondering if you could theoretically not kill Matriarch Menezia or something like that. No. Which I... would have been an interesting choice. You know, that would be neat, but... Ah, <laughs> mm. <laughs> uh, Pharaoh's just kind of sucks. I it agree does. with you, show notes, Ken. I agree <laughs> with you. <laughs> I say messy level design, barely hanging on to the rest of the plot, dumb choices, and ultimately none of it matters. Yep. It's just ultimately nothing. So, with that note, let's move on to the other things that we did. The extracurriculars that weren't just Pharaohs, because I think we'll have actually a little bit more to talk about here. Mm. Uh, First, so I'm curious what you mean. Here's the conversation about Jump Zero and Rana. You're talking about uh, Caden, correct? Yeah, so we said in the last episode that, like, 
it they omitted some stuff from Male Shepherd like regarding Cadence history, and uh, that's still true. But they did they did sort of like expand on it a little bit more, at least more so than I remembered, and more so than the conversation before it led me to believe. Um, mm-hmm. So he does talk about how he did save this girl from their boot camp, like the historian that was uh, basically abusing the kids that were at Jump Zero, which was like this biotic boot camp that they went to. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, like I, I still wonder, and thankfully we will get to this in the next episode, how much the way that they sort of hold back a lot plays into the decisions people make on Vermeer. Um but I mean, it it was nice that there was some of it, some more there than it initially seemed last episode. I'm curious because you also have this note that Ashley comes on to you once again. She Kaden did I, not I, do the same to me. I was kind of interested that Liara left me alone. Liara was like she because I I just I remember from my old playthroughs there was a, there were two points where Liara asked about a relationship and I had to be like no both times. Mm-hmm. Um, but Liara didn't do that this time. But Ashley did, and like I literally said last time, just like no, we just go away, please. Um, and then she's like, "Are you still interested in me?" And I put, and I tweeted a video of this, like just like so frustrated, um, because like I don't know how many times I can say no to you. I don't know how many different ways. Like, I mean, there's certainly a way that I'm gonna say no to you in the ne- next episode. <laughs> that's what I'm gonna. T- if that's what it takes, put a definitive note on that relationship. <laughs> I like as I'm flying away, Ash is like, mess- Ash is sending a message. You still interested in me? <laughs> Right before the right before it goes off, maybe maybe you up. <laughs> <laughs> oh my um, god! I, that's always kind of interesting to me too, because it seems like the the human love interests are very straightforward in terms of how you get on the rails for that and how you get going down that. Whereas the Liara romance, which is the one that my Shep is going through, uh, at this point she actually says. Uh, I don't want to be in a relationship because there's so much going on. There's too much at stake and I don't know what this is between us yet. So we need to hold up. And I'm just kind of sitting here like, wow, they put the good relationship writing in that one and really want to funnel you towards the human relationship for some reason where it's just like, Hey, do you like this person? Good job. They like you too. Because if then else, and (sighs) yeah, Romance. Early Bioware romance. Oh, man. Sometimes it'd be like that. <laughs> so we also get to check in a little bit with our other squad mates here because we have finished a main story mission and that's how a Bioware game works. Right. Uh, so Garrus, yeah, Garrus wants to, to kill Saren. I think that is maybe a little bit influenced by uh, his personal quest, I say, responding to your show note question. Yeah, because like, I, in his personal quest, uh, we, uh, we didn't even try to take it in the doctor we were just like all right open fire um and so gareth was talking gareth and i were talking about like how we basically want to just take Saren out right then and there eliminate the threat i did was he the same way with you yeah he's he's the same in mine where he says uh you know if we capture Saren, he could still get away the council could let him off easy why don't we just not even give them the choice and you can kind of influence him in that way uh one way or the other uh, i obviously took the the paragon route which is basically like hey you know we need to do our job you know if he if he does something, trust me, I'm a I'm a pop a cap. But <laughs> it's, um, yeah, it's they're really setting up kind of the the story beats that will come to define these characters in in coming games. Like you noted with Rex, uh, you start to see him talk a little bit more about 
saving the Krogan people. And then it, with Tali, it's a little bit more about, oh, I want to bring things back to my, you know, my, my people and, and finish my pilgrimage. But also I'm realizing that there are greater things happening in the world right. that my people have been kind of sheltering ourselves from. And maybe we don't need to do that. And it's really setting up all these beats in a way that is making me kind of think, I really am near the end game, aren't I? Because once you get on Vermeer, it's so quick. I mean, it's just Vermeer, Ilos, Citadel, like bam, 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 all right, all right in a row. Uh, if you do it, if you play it the way that we've been playing it, so it's it's kind of strange because you you're you're kind of seeing the end coming up quick, but also we're not that deep it feels into the actual narrative of this game because so it's it's very back heavy so much of this game happens in the next three missions and so much of what people remember of this game is in these next three missions that uh it just it all feels kind of odd you know feels kind of strange if nothing else it makes pharaoh seem like palatable at this point because we know we're getting up to like the good shit Mm -hmm. well you know we're eating our vegetables before we get to the meat and potatoes. <laughs> we'll keep using that analogy. <laughs> so, any other side quests? I, we've, we've been talking about the Cerberus missions for a while, so I know that uh, you have started those as well as I have, though I think you're further along than I am on, um, on that quest line. Maybe. Uh, so, it starts out with, uh, oh gosh, what's his name? The uh, Kahoku. Kahoku, yes, yes. He, it starts out with him. He's uh, there was like a squad of his that never reported back from a mission. Um, we find out that they were led to a thresher mall, which for those that don't know what a thresher mall is, it's like this massive space snake bug thing that is it's like Empire Strikes Back. Just think like Empire Strikes Back that that big worm that they fly into in in that. It's it's one of those, but it looks a little bit more video gamey. Yeah, and so. I stayed in the Mako to take that thing out because that seems like the logical thing, but I know that some people, and, and in later games when you're fighting a Thresher Mall, you do it on foot. Yeah, I uh, I definitely took that thing down to almost zero health and then hopped out of the Mako and landed the final shot as uh, <coughs> Shepard so I would get more experience. <laughs> Is that how that works? Yep, yep, you get more experience for killing it on foot than you do in the Mako, so I, I did definitely not know cheesed that. it. Mm, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Man, you gotta know all these cheeses, man. These, these are important. These, this is how you get the experience. Well, something's gonna happen in the very beginning of Mass Effect Two, and none of the experience is gonna matter anymore. So, hey, you know, that's that's the time for rebuilding and potentially awakening new biotic powers in my, in my head canon. <laughs> oh gosh. Um. So anyway, so that happens. We go talk to the admiral again, and he's like, he wants to investigate more because like they had to been led by like a. It was like a signal that somebody left, like a distress signal that somebody left, yes. and it put them in the uh, line of fire of the Thresher Maw. Um, so he, like, we get it back on the Normandy, and we have a message from him saying that uh, it was this organization called Cerberus who he's found was responsible for what happened. Um, I gotta say, knowing what comes later, these missions seem really underwhelming, and it makes me wonder to what extent that, like, the things that by what does with service to what extent they were in place by now I wonder. yeah a lot of this game keeps making me wonder whether they knew that they were going to be making a trilogy or not like how much they had planned out in the future especially in regards to as you said mass effect 2 where some big stuff happens because 
Mass Effect 3, it feels like you can kind of write by itself because it's the end game. You know, it's is the thing where everything has to kind of come to a close so you can start to wrap up all these plot threads that you've set up. But Mass Effect 2 is the one that's supposed to sit between the two and act as this transitionary thing, and that one gets a lot tougher. So you have this Cerberus plot line where we know where that's heading, but not necessarily... It just doesn't necessarily feel like they knew that they were going to go that specific route with right. with Mass Effect Two, and I, I kind of like the little details because you know some of them I'd forgotten. Like, oh, I I forgot that Cerberus was part of the Alliance at one point before they became this splinter faction of uh, of human interests and stuff, and got President Bartlett to run them. <laughs> and um, yeah, it, it, it is kind of interesting to see all that. At the same time, you know, just because it's in the trappings of Mass Effect 1, it, it ends up feeling a little underwhelming because mm-hmm. you've got all these like, okay, well, I'm going to go in the space and I'm going to fight a bunch of people and then I'm going to find some stuff and we'll keep going. I I know what happens in the next mission with Kahoku um, and also what you kind of find uh, in Cerberus's secret research facilities, which kind of sets them up as that clandestine shadow organization that's got eyes and ears everywhere uh but overall yeah i couldn't even remember that cerberus was a thing when i first played mass effect 2 i was like oh cool they made a new organization for (laughs) Shepard to be a part of neat completely forgotten that that was a thing in the first game and it it still kind of feels that way where i'm like if i didn't know that cerberus was important going into two out of one i wouldn't remember it very well so uh, side quests in this game are just held back by the game that they are in and have to take place in but we we are not much longer for the for the next part and luckily we get to the the good stuff now so our next episode will be vermeyer the big one the one the one, the one we've all been waiting for the one ken has been eagerly awaiting since the day I, we started this literally i have i have charts i gotta read for for next episode Oh, long, long lists of things. He's got a soliloquy written out. He's got a sonnet that he's going to read at, at at a certain point that will just lay out his feelings about Vermeer and and what he gets to do there. Again, like going back <laughs> what to what he little... gets to do, not what he's forced to do. What he gets the opportunity to <laughs> fair, do. Fair, <laughs> fair point. But like going back to the thing that like I said in the very first episode, like I'm excited to have this conversation with you because this is one of the things that we've always sort of like hinted at as we've known each other but we've never had this actual conversation like sit down like mm-hmm. really get into the the depths of why we do what we do here and so you're excited about a big choice that happens on vermeyer i'm excited about a certain monologue and conversation that happens on vermeyer because that is maybe another one of my favorite parts of the entire mass Effect series uh hold the line. it's very very good so is it hold I'm, the line no no it no. is it is something else. You will probably think of what it is by the time we finish this, but uh, I'm I'm leaving the listeners intrigued for for what will come. So next episode, play up to Vermeer, get through Vermeer, collect your emotions, and be ready. Uh, if you haven't yet, go check out our Patreon, Patreon.com/NormDFM. We are on there. Uh, any anything you can donate helps us pay for SoundCloud hosting, which is a thing that exists in 2018. Uh, and our SoundCloud pumps out to iTunes 
as well as Google Play, and we're observing other things as well. We know all of you listen to podcasts everywhere because you're so difficult, but damn it, we love you, and we want to give you what you need. So uh, anything you give there helps uh, keep our, our hosting costs up, helps us offset some of the, the expenditures that have been spent uh, getting this thing going, and anything extra helps us do other stuff uh dlc potentially more games down the line uh there's so much to do on there so please if you have the funds if you have the means and you love the show please contribute in the meantime and if you can't contribute just share it <laughs> yeah Spread just the share it around please like share retweet ken posts lots of good memes to this account uh twitter.com slash norm dfm show uh lots of good memes check those out yeah. i mean if you want good shit posting we got that so <laughs> For Ken, I'm Eric. Thank you for tuning in. We'll see you next time on Norm BFM. Yeah,